Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Hi, everybody. Good Thursday morning. We're following breaking news from the Middle East. Yeah, a story unfolding as we come on the air. Good morning. It's February the 29th. This is today. Deadly violence. Dozens killed, hundreds more hurt during a confrontation over humanitarian aid in Gaza. Officials there pointing the finger at the Israeli military. We are live in the region with the very latest and the impact on those tense ceasefire negotiations. Supreme Court showdown, the nation's highest court agreeing to take up Donald Trump's case for presidential immunity. His trial over interfering in the 2020 election on hold. This as Trump is removed from the ballot and yet another state just weeks before the primary. So how will it all play out? We'll break it down. Out of control, dangerous wildfires sweep across Texas, destroying neighborhoods and forcing new evacuations. These fires are just moving quicker than anybody can kind of get around at this point. While overnight severe storms slam the Northeast, Al will have everything we need to know. Stunning shakeup, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell revealing his plans to step down from that powerful post. It's time for the next generation of leadership. Just ahead, his emotional announcement and the race to replace him that's already underway. All that plus legend lost. I'm paranoid about everything in my life. Even at home, I, on my stationary bike, I have a rearview mirror, which I'm not thrilled about. Tributes pouring in for comedy icon Richard Lewis, led by his lifelong friend Larry David. This morning, we will remember Lewis's remarkable life and career. And taking the leap, they have the rarest of birthdays, an exclusive club born on a day that comes around just once every four years. We are 12 years old. Three years old. I'm six years old. And we are throwing them a huge leap day party right here in Studio 1A. Today, Thursday, February 29th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to today. So happy you're with us on this very unique Thursday morning, by I the way. I know. Happy Leap Day, yes. February 29th. And we're going to mark the occasion with a unique group of people. Look, they only get to celebrate their birthday <laughs> once every four years. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk to them in just a bit. I'm mesmerized by them. Meantime, it was another night of wild weather across the country. Heavy winds, plummeting temperatures here in the Northeast. There's snow out West, the deadly wildfires in Texas. Al, of course, is tracking all of it. We are also following this morning that major announcement for the Supreme Court. It happened late yesterday, and there are big implications for the 2024 election. The court has agreed to hear Donald Trump's case for presidential immunity over whether he tried to unlawfully overturn the 2020 election. But we are going to begin this morning with breaking news from the Middle East, a deadly confrontation in Gaza over the distribution of humanitarian aid. NBC's Raf Sanchez joins us now with the very latest. Hey, Raf, good morning. 
Howdy, good morning. This is a fast-moving and developing situation, but here's what we know. Early this morning, a crowd of Palestinians gathered on a coastal road in Gaza City, hoping to get food and flour at an aid distribution point. The Palestinian Authority is saying Israeli forces opened fire on that crowd of unarmed civilians. They are calling this a massacre. The Israeli military is saying this was two separate incidents, albeit close together and just a few minutes apart. They are saying first there was a stampede as people swarmed around those trucks. And then they are saying Israeli troops opened fire on a group that approached their positions. They've released video of what they say shows the stampede. But I asked them if they had any evidence to support their claim that this crowd posed a threat to Israeli troops. They said at this point they have nothing to release. Now, we are just over the border from Gaza right now, but we are unable to get inside to verify for ourselves exactly what happened here. But hospitals in Gaza are saying dozens of people were killed, potentially hundreds more injured. The healthcare system all but collapsed in Gaza, not enough ambulances. We are seeing wounded people being carried out on donkey carts. And this is a situation that is developing rapidly. It is also pushed the death toll in Gaza, according to the Hamas-run health ministry, over 30,000 people, the majority of them women and children. We are hearing from the White House National Security Council this morning. I want to read you that statement. They say this is a serious incident and we are looking into the reports. We mourn the loss of innocent life and recognize the dire humanitarian situation in Gaza, where innocent Palestinians are just trying to feed their families. This underscores the importance of expanding and sustaining the flow of humanitarian assistance into Gaza, including through a potential temporary ceasefire. We continue to work day and night to achieve that outcome. We heard President Biden say this week he hopes a ceasefire deal could be in place by Monday. That's not looking likely. Hoda. Raf Sanchez for us there. Raf, thank you. Now to that major decision by the Supreme Court agreeing to hear arguments on Donald Trump's immunity claims and what it means for the legal case he's facing, as well as the 2024 presidential race. We've got complete coverage. We'll start with NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. The immunity issue, one that could make or break prosecutors' case against Donald Trump. The Supreme Court's involvement on this could hand him a win or a loss, but either way, the calendar works to his advantage, making the chances that he will face trial before Election Day this year on charges of trying to overturn the last election more remote by the day. This morning, the U.S. Supreme Court handing Donald Trump the gift of time. The justices agreeing to decide whether the Republican frontrunner should be immune from federal charges because his attempts to reverse the 2020 election happened while he was still in office. We will never give up. We will never concede. In a one-page order, the high court saying it will hear arguments in the case the week of April 22nd. But with no firm date for its final ruling, the prospect of a federal criminal trial being completed before the November election becoming increasingly unrealistic. And if the Supreme Court rules in Mr. Trump's favor, the charges against him in Washington, D.C., wiped out completely. You cannot allow a president to be out there without immunity. They don't have immunity 
you don't have a presidency. The stakes sky high for the former president who has cast the prosecution itself as election interference and special counsel Jack Smith's team, which has accused Mr. Trump of defrauding the government he once led. My office will seek a speedy trial so that our evidence can be tested in court. But the case has been beset by appeals on the immunity question, with lower courts finding Mr. Trump should not be shielded from prosecution. The Trump campaign seizing on the Supreme Court taking up the case as another fundraising opportunity, with the former president pressing his case on social media. This as the high court is set to rule on another issue with major implications for the future of the presidential race. The justices currently weighing Colorado's move to ban Mr. Trump from the ballot. Voters there set to go to the polls next week on Super Tuesday. And late Wednesday, Illinois became the third state to find the former president ineligible to serve under the Constitution's insurrection clause in the 14th Amendment in light of his role on January 6th. Now, meanwhile, a significant development in a different Trump case, an appeals court judge here in New York rejecting Mr. Trump's effort to avoid paying that massive civil fraud judgment for more than $450 million as he tries to appeal that decision. His attorneys saying in a legal filing yesterday he may need to sell off some of his properties to cover it if he can't get a bond or is forced to pay the full amount, guys. Okay, well, let's go back to the Supreme Court decision, kind of lay out how this could play out in terms of the legal calendar and the political calendar. Yeah, so let's do both versions, the slow and the fast, right? So let's say they take the case up the last week of uh, April now. Say they came back the next day after oral argument. With the a case, decision. With a decision. Even if they said he loses it. He's not immune. He's, the case still wouldn't just spring back to life, right? He wouldn't just immediately go to trial the next day because he gets the benefit of all of this time when the case is essentially just been frozen on ice, they, right? They've stopped the clock while they consider exactly. this. Exactly. So okay. he would get roughly three months tacked on to that time. Okay. But normally, they would hear big decisions, and then they would decide the case roughly, as you know, the end of June. So if they decide at the end of June, then we're creeping into potentially September. We're now past the Republican convention. It's just unclear whether, in fact, the trial could happen at all, even assuming everything stayed on track. All right. Laura, thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Let's move now to the split screen moment playing out at the southern border today. President Biden and Donald Trump making dueling high stakes visits to Texas, highlighting the battle over immigration and its impact on the 2024 race. NBC's senior White House correspondent Gabe Gutierrez joins us now from Brownsville, Texas. Gabe, what are you expecting today? Hey there, Hoda. Good morning. It'll be a dramatic split screen between both presidential frontrunners amid a record number of migrant crossings at the southern border. This is President Biden's second border visit since taking office. Former President Trump will be just over 300 miles away in Eagle Pass, Texas. President Biden is hoping to highlight the need to pass that bipartisan border security deal that boosts resources and tightens asylum rules. You'll remember it failed in Congress, due in part to former President Trump's opposition. Mr. Trump, meanwhile, is expected to capitalize on those record number of crossings and put the blame squarely on President Biden. The former president is promising to carry out the largest domestic deportation operation in history if reelected, Hoda. All right. And Gabe, there's another big headline out there. President Biden received his annual physical yesterday. Mm. What were the takeaways there? Yeah, Hoda, President Biden was declared fit for duty and overall healthy by his doctor. 
The president telling reporters yesterday there is nothing different than last year. We did learn that Mr. Biden's gait has stiffened because of age-related wear and tear of his spine, and also he has started using a sleep apnea machine and had a root canal in June. In response to questions about his mental fitness following that special counsel report, the White House press secretary says his doctors do not think he needs a cognitive test, Hoda. All right, Gabe Gutierrez for us there in Texas. Gabe, thanks. Now to that changing of the guard on Capitol Hill, Republican Mitch McConnell, the longest serving Senate leader in history, has announced he will step down from his leadership post in November. And this morning was likely to be a fierce battle to succeed him. It's already underway. NBC's senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake joins us with more. Hi, Garrett. Good morning. Hey, Savannah. Good morning. Yeah, McConnell will leave his leadership post later this year as the most consequential and controversial Senate leader in decades. But the party he helmed for so long is changing, and he says it's time for the leaders to change with it. This morning, a changing of the guard on Capitol Hill. It's time for the next generation of leadership. Longtime Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell says he'll step down from that post in November after an unprecedented 18 years leading his party and will retire at the end of his term in 2027. At times, emotional. I love the Senate. It's been my life. McConnell, who defied Democratic presidents and helped reshape the federal courts, is embracing his controversial image. I still have enough gas in my tank to thoroughly disappoint my critics. It comes after the 82-year-old suffered two freezing episodes in public last summer, where he was unable to speak. (laughs) McConnell sidestepped questions about his health afterwards, with the congressional doctor saying they were not the result of a stroke or seizure. McConnell has seen his influence in the party diminished, as he's faced criticism from some fellow GOP senators since his falling out with former President Trump over January 6th who has attacked him and his wife repeatedly online and on the campaign trail. Washington Republicans like Mitch McConnell is the absolute worst. McConnell ultimately voted to acquit Mr. Trump in his second impeachment trial while acknowledging President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. President Biden paying tribute to McConnell. With former President Trump now consolidating control of the party, the battle to succeed McConnell has already begun, with several senators acknowledging it will likely be a contest between top Republicans known as the Three Johns, Wyoming Senator John Barrasso, Texas Senator John Cornyn, and South Dakota Senator John Thune. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance, a Trump ally, asked who he'd support. Yeah, someone named John. Well, okay. this uh, comes as leaders in Congress just reached a temporary deal to avert the government shutdown. So what's the latest there? Yeah, this new bipartisan plan is to push back Friday's funding deadline by another week, which should give Congress time to pass bills to fund half the government by next Friday, the other half by mid-March. If everything goes according to that plan, that avoids a shutdown. But every single step of this requires votes in both the House and Senate. So with this Congress event, I don't think we're entirely in the clear until the votes are taken. All right. Garrett Haig, thank you very much. All right. 714. We're tracking some wild weather this morning. Welcome, Craig. In. Hey, hey, Craig. Hey, Hoda, Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. That wild weather, by the way, impacting tens of millions all over the country. We're talking about severe storms here in the Northeast, heavy snow out West, dangerous and now deadly wildfires tearing across Texas and forcing some new evacuations there. 
Mr. Roker back in studio. We'll get to his forecast in just a moment. But first, NBC's Guad Venegas is watching those flames in Fritch, Texas. Guad, good morning to you. Craig, good morning. Officials here say this is still an active situation with several wildfires burning across northern Texas. Now, we already know that the Smokehouse Creek fire is the largest one. It's already burned through hundreds of thousands of acres, and it's only 3% contained, according to the last update. With multiple wildfires torching Texas, crews are taking on the colossal task of getting the flames under control as officials confirm one person has died. The massive Smokehouse Creek fire has already burned more than 850,000 acres across the Texas panhandle, quickly becoming the second largest fire in the state's history. In an instant, the inferno surrounded rural communities, sending livestock fleeing and people rushing to evacuate. You were watching this burn? Yes, it was so hot you could barely breathe. Satellite images show entire neighborhoods charred. The flames, driven by unseasonably high temperatures, dry conditions, and strong winds, creating rare fire natos. The tornadic fire would whirl and whirl, and, and, and it was a sound and a feeling. It was so hot. Right there, funnel, funnel. It comes as the National Weather Service confirms more than a dozen tornadoes touched down in the Midwest on Tuesday, leaving behind a trail of destruction. Overnight, that same system bringing falling temperatures and severe storms to the Northeast. This morning, first responders from coast to coast dealing with the full spectrum of Mother Nature's fury. And this morning, we are learning new details about the victim that died as a result of the wildfires. Family members say she was an 83-year-old former substitute teacher from Stinnett, Texas. Uh, meanwhile, the fire crews here are catching a break with improved conditions, which will help them to try to get a handle on these fires. But they have to move quickly because the winds are expected to pick up in the coming days. Craig? All right. At least some improved conditions there. Guad Venegas for us there in Texas. Guad, thank you. Let us turn to Mr. Roker. A lot on your dance card here. Yeah sure is. And unfortunately, we have red flag warnings now from Iowa into Nebraska, parts of Kansas and Missouri for 6 million people. Strong winds are now developing. Low relative humidity. Those temperatures have been really warm. So we're going to be watching that. Next big storm is coming into the Pacific Northwest and much of California. And in fact, we're going to be looking at not just heavy rain, but massive snowstorms, blizzard warnings, in fact, even as we move on into the Sierra. We're talking about the Sierra Nevada seeing Extremely heavy snow, blizzard conditions, snow levels dropping to 1,000 feet. And so that, we're talking about along I-80, the Donner Pass, up to 10 feet of snow by we get to the time we get into Sunday. Blue Canyon, 7 feet, 3 to feet, three, 1 to 3 feet in Pollock Pines and Colfax, looking for 1 to 8 inches. Rest of the country, we're looking at much colder conditions here in the Northeast, that fire risk in the Mid-Plains, and some rain into northern Texas. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you so much. Still ahead, mounting concerns and questions over Princess Kate's months-long absence from the public eye. NBC's Molly Hunter's in Buckingham Palace for us. Hey, Molly. Hey, guys, good morning. We are tracking it all. The rumors are swirling, and the palace is staying tight-lipped. We'll have more coming up. All right, Molly, and then touching tributes pouring in for comedy legend Richard Lewis from fellow stars and his many, many fans will remember his unique life and career. But first, on a Thursday morning, this is Today on NBC.
That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 7.30. Well, we're also going to start though this half hour with some new questions and some new concerns swirling around the royal family. Princess Kate remains out of the public eye as she recovers from abdominal surgery. And just yesterday, her husband, Prince William, suddenly pulled out of a major event he was set to attend. NBC's Molly Hunter's at Buckingham Palace with more. Hey, Molly. Good morning. Hey, guys, good morning from a very rainy Buckingham Palace. Lots of new questions. Now, we have not seen Kate, the Princess of Wales, since December, since before that planned abdominal surgery. But when Prince William pulled out of an event this week, speculation kicked into high gear. Take a look. This morning, the Prince of Wales is back out in public. While the public still waits for a glimpse of his beloved wife, Kate, the Princess of Wales, who hasn't been seen since Christmas Day. The palace was clear last month. She would not pick royal duties back up until after Easter, following their historical practice of not sharing private health information. So we've seen increasing uh, rumors. The difference in this case is Kate has disappeared. We haven't seen Kate uh, since actually December last year. And because of that, that's fueled the speculation. But in the age of social media and fierce attention on the glamorous Wales family, speculation reaching a fever pitch. Kate Middleton, where is she? We haven't seen her in the year of 2024. And even American celebrities. I gotta meet Kate Middleton for lunch. Prince William bowing out of a memorial for his godfather at the last minute this week for undisclosed personal matters. A palace source then responding to questions about the Princess of Wales's health, saying only she continues to be doing well. Whatever information the royal family choose to disclose about the health of the senior royals is really up to them. But the heir to the throne still making a solo appearance at the glittering BAFTAs last week, an event where Kate usually dazzles on the red carpet. Prince William overheard saying he hasn't seen as many films this year because of everything going on with his wife. And speaking out last month. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you also for the kind messages of support. The royal health questions have reached new heights, given that King Charles is also out of the public eye, receiving cancer treatment, hospitalized at the same time as Kate. 
It's wonderful to see you looking so well. Yeah, it's all done by mirrors. But the 75-year-old monarch wow. continues some well, state well, duties well, behind the scenes, behind. and in the absence of official answers, the curious and nosy public and social media are filling the void. Yeah, and the palace doesn't usually comment much on things like this. But do you think that may change? Do you think they'd give more uh, more updates going forward? Well, Hoda, we've been asking. The palace was very clear last month that they would only share updates about Kate's health if there was significant new information. But as of right now, we still don't know why Kate got that surgery. We still do not know what kind of cancer Charles has. But as of today, what's very clear to us is the palace feels no pressure to provide any new information. Hoda. All right, Molly, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Coming up, the emotional new plea for help from patients and doctors left in limbo by that controversial ruling on embryos. First, though, Vicky Wynn is here with some mounting concerns over a popular app that some have called the most dangerous app in America. Good morning, Temu is the world's most popular shopping app, but this morning it's under fire facing two class action lawsuits accusing the app of having access to everything on your phone, including photos and text messages. How the company is responding, plus what you need to know about all shopping apps. That's next right here on Today. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. with In-Depth today. This morning, new privacy concerns about a very popular shopping platform. Yeah, two class action lawsuits filed against Timu accused the company of failing to safeguard customers' personal data. So NBC's Vicky Wynn is here with everything we need to know. Vic, good morning. Hey, Craig, Savannah, and Hoda. We first told you about some of these concerns last June when our investigation uncovered the lack of transparency around how this app collects and uses its customer data. Apple even warned the company to update its disclosures or it'd be kicked off the app store. Well, now dozens of plaintiffs allege Temu has been misleading its users and accessing far more information than anyone knew. The popular discount shopping app Temu making its second Super Bowl commercial appearance. But now all eyes are on Temu for a different reason. Two class action lawsuits allege the app has an arsenal of tools to gain access to what they call literally everything on your phone, including your contacts, camera, microphone, and more. Attorney Steve Berman represents the plaintiffs in one of the lawsuits. You're alleging that Temu is collecting text messages and photos. What proof do you have? Various experts who have studied the Temu application, and there's a wide consensus that it is the most dangerous app in America, period. 
In a statement to NBC News, Temu denies the allegations, writing in part, we collect information with a clear and singular purpose to provide and continually enhance our products and services for our users, adding, we only collect and use data necessary for specific, justified scenarios. The e-commerce platform has a massive reach. Temu was the world's most popular marketplace app in 2023, with 338 million downloads. It's easy to see why it's so popular. The site offers millions of products at huge discounts. Despite the savings, Temu has faced backlash from customers, complaining about missing items and product quality. Why did I think that it would be a good idea to buy perfume off of Timu? In June, we asked Patrick Jackson with the internet security company Disconnect to analyze the Temu app. He found it was collecting more personal data than it told users, including IP addresses, which can be used to determine a shopper's location, sexual orientation, and political affiliation. At that time, Temu said, we are committed to the privacy and security of our users. The information is solely for enhancing our service, and we do not sell it for money. After we shared our findings, Apple told Temu to fix the app. The company said it complied. But after reanalyzing the app today, Jackson says Temu has turned on certificate pinning, which makes it harder for researchers to see what kind of data the app is collecting. And they've updated their privacy nutrition label, acknowledging they now collect precise locations. Jackson says that's detailed enough to tell within 15 feet of where you are. It collects the most personal data of any app on the marketplace. And people don't know that they're at risk. Well, when it comes to downloading any app from the App Store, Apple says users can decide what kind of information to share and to limit it from third-party apps. And apparently the first time an app wants to use your information, Apple says they send a request with an explanation. But here's the thing. How many times do you consent to something when you download an app? You just say yes. It'd be like miles long, like a CVS receipt. So the thing that our experts say is delete any apps that you don't trust. If you still want to shop with any shopping app, just go to the website. Go to the website on your computer. It's collecting a lot less data about Mm. you that way. Wow. All right. Wow, thank you. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Vicky. Let's get another check of the weather, Mr. Roker. Okay, well, you know, today is the last day of meteorological winter. So we thought, hey, take a look at February. It's a record February. We're talking 92% of the lower 48 states warmer than average February temperatures. And when we dig in a little deeper, it's the warmest February ever for places like Grand Forks, Minneapolis, Alpena, Columbia, Fort Smith, Paducah, Syracuse, Albany, uh, South Bend, and Chicago. Chicago as well. So now we're getting ready to start March. You know, March in like a lion, out like a lamb. Well, let's take a look and see how March will be coming in. Oh, yes. Wow, I think that was my stomach, actually. Uh, so Portland coming in like a lion in uh, rain and snow, 46. San Francisco, rain and windy. Minneapolis, gusty and 57. Atlanta, showers and thunderstorms in 47. How about a little lamb? New York, sunny skies and 48 degrees. It'll be nice there. Tampa, partly sunny and 80. Dallas, sunny, 71 degrees. And Phoenix, sunny and warm and a temperature of 79 degrees. We love when our animals come together. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, now, thank you. Uh, coming up, guys, we are going to remember and celebrate the remarkable life and career of comedy icon Richard Lewis. That's right after this. We are back with Carson, uh, and we're also back with a big loss from the world of entertainment. Certainly are, guys. Good morning. Family, friends, and fans are paying tribute to a -a one-of-a-kind comedian, the great Richard Lewis. NBC's Joe Fryer now has a look back 
at his remarkable career, Joe. Good morning. His publicist says the 76-year-old comedian died of a heart attack at his L.A. home. Richard Lewis has been making us laugh for decades, most recently starring alongside his childhood friend Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm. They were born in the same hospital just days apart and met at camp at age 12. David, now one of many stars remembering the comedy legend. Open the door. I do not open the door. On Curb Your Enthusiasm, Richard Lewis and Larry David were bonded by bickering. You never call me. You always pick the restaurant. What are, you, what are, you, are we married? I don't, I don't understand. Am I dating you? Friendship that went well beyond the show. In a tribute to Lewis, David says he had that rare combination of being the funniest person and also the sweetest. But today he made me sob, and for that, I'll never forgive him. This is a frightening profession. I I was a schmuck. I could have been a caterer. I realize now. uh... As a stand-up comic, Lewis found fame in the 80s. His anxious, neurotic delivery reflected in the titles of his specials. I'm in pain. I'm exhausted. I'm doomed. He put his comedy chops to work in the Mel Brooks parody Robin Hood, Men in Tights. I don't want to hear any bad news. What type of news is it? Well, to be perfectly frank, it's bad. I knew it! and the sitcom Anything But Love. For four seasons, he shared the screen with Jamie Lee Curtis, who says Lewis was deep and so freaking funny, adding, he also is the reason I'm sober. He helped me. I'm forever grateful for him for that act of grace alone. Lewis discussed his sobriety on Today back in 2001. I mean, I'm a very blessed guy. I mean, I never dreamt things would happen to me like they have... Last year, he revealed he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I'm under a doctor's care and everything is cool. His presence still felt in the final season of Curb. This morning, fans are pointing to a now resonant clip in a recent episode. Lewis playing a somewhat fictionalized version of himself, telling his friend Larry is in his will. I'm leaving you in my will. I'm tweaking it, and you're in it. No, 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 don't, don't do that. It's done. You're in. I don't want to be in it. I have money. I don't need it. Give it to someone who needs it. When I die, I want you to know how much I care about you. The two real-life friends lovingly bickering on screen until the end. Richard Lewis was married for nearly 20 years. In a statement, his wife, Joyce Slapinski, thanked everyone for their love, friendship, and support. His Curb co-star, Cheryl Hines, says to be loved by Richard Lewis was a true gift. Back to you. Ooh. Ah, big wow. loss. Yeah. Joe, thanks for that report. Appreciate That's it. It's a great tribute. It's mm-hmm. a great tribute. Yeah. All right, guys, coming up on the show, we've got two of our buddies here, former coaches of The Voice. The Voice is back. If you didn't know for season 25, they're teaming up. Got a sneak peek at how Miley Cyrus and Pharrell came together for a new track. In fact, we'll play a little bit of it during Popstar. All right, and then it's Leap Day, everybody. We're throwing a big birthday bash for these folks who only <laughs> truly celebrate every four years, so we got to go big. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.